Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Did you know that listening to someone to understand them, to understand their views, especially someone that you do not agree with, it doesn't mean that you have to accept their views. It doesn't mean that you have to follow their perspectives. The reason that we listen to people is that we want to learn them. We want to understand them. We want to understand their perspective. Of course, the ultimate goal is to help them, to serve them in some way. The Bible's call is to go and make disciples. Well, the implication is clear. We're going to engage people who are not Christians. We want to convert them, so we have to step into their stories and and understand things like their shaping influences. How did they come to believe what they currently believe? How is that different from what the Bible teaches? And then how can we construct a an argument to be able to persuade them to come to Christ? If we do not know them well, then we cannot help them. And so how can we listen to people who believe differently from us, but not allow them to convince us of their views or to follow their ideology. Remember, they are just as evangelistic as we are. Uh, Our cultural counterparts are quite aggressive in trying to indoctrinate us into their belief systems, and it seems as though they, they own all the platforms, whether it's Hollywood through the movie industry and the TV industry, or if it's uh, the education environment or social media or the news media or politics. It just seems like all of those things are arrayed against us, and they are, and they are aggressive in trying to persuade us. But still yet, we want to step into their story. We want to engage them, but we must be fortified so that we do not accept what they believe. We're not swayed by their worldviews, and we're not pulled into their ideologies. And so I want to talk about that just for a little bit. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas, and we're doing Life Over Coffee. If you want to read my show notes, go to episode 461. The title of it is How to Listen to Others Without Being Swayed by Them. Now, I want to get started by sharing a long-form question that was sent in to me actually through our supporting forums. Now, let me reveal all of my cards. The reason that I'm sharing this private conversation with you from our private forums, well, one, I want you to know some of the world-class conversations that we have uh, on our supporting members forum. I want you to get a peek behind the curtain so you can see how so many people are benefiting from this kind of engagement on such relevant matters. And then, of course, I want you to support our ministry if you're not. If you're not, then would you just pray, and, and, and if you can, if you're able, Uh, Would you be willing to support our ministry so that we can continue to create these resources for your benefit and, of course, hundreds of thousands of other people? And so anyway, here is the conversation or the question that was written on the private forum. I'm going to read it to you, and then I want to work through it for just a little bit. 
Our supporter said, I recently read the article, Engagement Without Understanding Leads to Violence. Now, by the way, I have that article linked here in this episode 461. And the big idea in that article is that if we don't understand what they're saying and why they're saying what they're saying, then we're just going to be speaking past each other, and it's going to create all sorts of frustration. In that article, I said engagement without understanding leads to violence, but we see that also in our own personal lives. If you're married, you probably have had this experience that you uh, were communicating with your spouse, but you didn't really understand what they were saying, and that creates frustration for you you. It creates frustration for your spouse, and it can lead to unnecessary argumentation. Well, in the culture, we are even more diametrically opposed to each other. We're not one flesh. And so if we don't step into their stories and understand what they're saying, why they are saying it, again, without being pulled into their ideology, we will not be able to communicate effectively to them, hoping to hoping to evangelize them, to persuade them that Christ is a better way. And so our supporting member goes on to say, the article's main thrust seemed to be to listen to others different from us to step into their stories precisely. That is the point or the thrust of the article. He says, by doing so, we will better understand and better sympathize with those who are different from us precisely. I agree 100% with these thoughts. However, I'm wondering how we balance a verse like James 1.19, be, be quick to listen and slow to speak. How do we balance that verse with, say, Hebrews 13.9, which says, in part, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings? And so I want to listen, he continues, to those who have different viewpoints, but also don't want to fall into the trap of stepping so far into their shoes that I accept things to be true that aren't true about God or the world. I tend to be pretty critical. I tend to be a pretty critical person, and I don't want this to stop me from being able to listen to those around me. But I also don't want to lose my sense of critical thinking for the sake of listening, thus falling into false belief systems, however small that might be. How can I free myself up to listen and engage with those who are different from me in a loving and understanding way without slipping into laziness with my thinking? And that was, is a question that was placed on our forums by one of our supporting members. Now, he really just laid out the whole pathway for us, including the ditches on either side. And so on one in one ditch, we have critical, cynical, suspicious thinking that creates such a strong force field uh, that it will inhibit you from listening as well as you should be listening because you're, you come into the conversation so critical of the person who is speaking to you. And that's not the spirit that we want. We want to be open to listen, but yet we want to have enough discernment not to be persuaded, which puts us in the other ditch that he is outlining for us. And that is 
is the ditch of the simpleton that you would see in Proverbs or the naive person, the gullible individual, uh, the person who can be gaslit easily, meaning that they, they can be manipulated by the arguments and drawn into the ideology. Also, fear of man is in this ditch too, a person who is easily managed by the opinions of other people because they don't want to be rejected by the individual that is talking to them. And if you struggle with fear of man, then you are manipulatable. Uh, you can be easily persuaded by whatever the argumentation is. And so he lays out the two ditches. I don't want to be so hardcore that I'm not willing to listen and to understand. And I don't want to be so naive that I just accept everything, hook, line, and sinker. And so in between those ditches is this zigzaggy middle space that we are to move down. And in that middle space is wisdom and discernment and courage and sympathy. And I'll talk about those things as I move along here, but that is the road that we want to navigate while staying out of either ditch. And so the first thing that I would say is, and this is something that we teach our mastermind students, and that is that you want to listen on two levels. Now, what I mean by that I mean a couple of things, and so let me just mention both of them. One of those is, is that as you are listening to the person that you're talking to, you are listening, and I'm putting this in air quotes, you're listening to the Spirit of God as well, because you want to discern the mind of God, and so you would put this in a, a primary, secondary listening category, and so the primary voice that you want to hear is God's voice, and again, and I put that in, in air quotes because we don't hear God's audible voice. But we want to discern the mind of the Spirit. And so we are praying. We are asking God, help me to, help me to hear what you want me to hear. Give me discernment. Empower me with grace so that uh, I can be fortified by you and listen well to that person. Run my mind through the mental Rolodex of scriptures that you have placed in my heart and help me to filter the words that they are saying through the lens of God or the filter of God's word. And so primarily you are asking to, you're listening to the spirit. And then secondarily, obviously, you're listening to the person that is speaking to you. And that's one of the ways that I mean two-level listening, primary and secondary. The Spirit is, is managing us and is illuminating us and giving us the insight that we need as we're filtering their words through uh, the grid of Scripture. And then another kind of listening that you're doing is with the individual specifically, and you're listening, and I'm going to call this two levels also. And what I mean by this is you're hearing the words that are coming out of their mouths, and then you're also discerning the genesis of those words, which is in their hearts. Jesus said in 645 of Luke that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he is tying a direct cord from the words that come out of our mouths to our hearts. And so those words are 
created, formed, shaped, and, and they're moved up and out of our mouths. And so the words that they say, uh, they are motivated by the heart. And so you want to hear what they're saying, but you also want to interpret the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, this would bring us back to the Spirit of God who would help us to do that. In Hebrews 4.13, it says that God knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so with his illuminating spirit operating in us, we will have a deeper insight, not just the words that they are saying, but why they are saying those words. What is motivating them? And so that's two-level listening of the individual that you're listening to. He may be talking about how religion is awful, just as an illustration, or I tried Christianity, or I know Christians who say they're Christians, but they act this way and that way. Those are the words that's coming out of his mouth, and you can hear the genesis of those words from his heart. He is angry at Christians. Uh, maybe even regretful that he ever went down that path. There could be some fear involved that you're trying to pull me back into that briar patch that I disdain. There could be hate. There's obviously self-righteousness because now he elevates himself above all these hypocritical Christians that he knows. And so you're hearing different categories of words like anger and hate and fear and, and self righteousness. That's what's going on in the heart, and that is why he is saying what he is saying. And so you want to hear more than the words that are coming out of his mouth. And so you want to listen at two levels, whether it's the Spirit of God informing and empowering you, or whether you're discerning two levels of the individual that you're speaking with. And so we enter into their story, but we cannot turn off discernment. Now, God is an illustration of this. The Lord is able to listen to us without being manipulated or managed by us. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, as beloved children, imitate God. And this is one of the ways that we want to imitate God. We don't want to be manipulatable. We don't want to be managed by other people and the words that they use. One of the verses that reminds me of this is what Job was saying in Job 23, verse verses 13 and 14, he begins like this, but he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? We see the sturdiness of God uh, in that verse as Job is talking, and he continues on for a, another sentence or two about how God is immovable, unmanipulatable, and unchangeable, and that's how we want to be. We want to imitate God just like that. Now, you, you know in the passage of Job that God is listening to Job, stepping into his story, but not manipulated by Job, and that is the perfect sweet spot. And so the solution is not to distance ourselves in such a way that we're uncaring and unloving, and the solution is definitely definitely not being so immersed into their story that we're overcome by it and manipulated by it. We want to be like God. We are listening to Job, but Job and all of his complaining 
and all of his whining and all of his arguments, he finally realizes that he is of one mind and who can turn him? Well, nobody can, and we want to be just like that. And so listening without manipulation does have some benefits. And let me mention two benefits, listening without manipulation. One of those is that it will filter out bad actors. People who are arguing with you are not arguing in good faith, and you will run into that regularly. I'm sure that you have a time or two where they just want to argue. They're not arguing as learners. They're not arguing because they're interested in your perspective. It's not a good faith argument. They are bad actors. But when they see that they cannot manipulate you, they're not going to hang around. I see this in social media all the time. People call me names. People curse me out. People make arguments. But the way that they do it, it's not because they want to learn my perspective. They just want to rail against me, and I don't, I'm, I'm not manipulatable. I just ignore them. And guess what? Bad actors go away. Eventually, they will go away. Uh, when you're barking at the wind, I mean, there's and there's no response, after a while, they will find somebody that they can actually hook on their line that they can manipulate. And so listening without manipulation will filter out bad actors who are operating not under good faith arguments. And then the second benefit of listening without manipulation is that the other group will perceive your discernment. They will also perceive your courage, and they will respect you. They may never agree with you, but they respect you. It's kind of like parental discipline in a sense. Children respect parents who have the courage to discipline them appropriately. They respect that. What they don't respect is mushy, weak, soft parents who have no courage whatsoever. Children don't respect those parents. They run all over them. They manipulate and manage them. But those that have courage, that have a backbone, and that they're, unki- they're not unkind, children will respect them. And these folks who disagree with us, if they're entering into the conversation in good faith and they're not bad actors, they will recognize your discernment, your position. They'll begin to understand why you have that position. They will see your courage and your unwillingness to rubber stamp them or to agree with them out of fear of man. And again, they may never come to your arguments. They may never come to your side, but they perceive your discernment. They perceive your courage. They respect you, and they will engage in the conversation. Conversation. Without engaging those who have different views, you just quite simply, you can't know what they believe. And if you don't know what they believe, you cannot present better arguments. Now, that's also, I mean, that's the heart of counseling. For those of you who do the work of discipleship, you know that. You have to enter into the person's story, and so a person comes into counseling. You don't agree with their worldview. You don't agree with their presupposition. You don't agree with their lifestyle. Of course, they're in counseling. There's a reason not to degree, not to agree uh, with how with their deportment, but you step in their story. 
because you want to know what makes them tick. Why do they believe what they believe? Because you have you're playing a longer game here. You have an ultimate uh, per, you have an ultimate end game here is that you want to present a better argument. Well, that's no different than than uh, communicating with your cultural counterpart. And so, as you step into their story, consider this linkage. Consider this process. I, I just strung together some words to help to visually see a process when you engage a person who believes differently from you. Number one, you enter. Now, that's the heart of the gospel. That's what Christ did, coming from his place to our place, stepping into our story, living our lives. He became a sympathetic savior knowing us, knowing our temptations, knowing our strengths, our weaknesses, etc. And so entering, uh, go and make disciples. That's a synonym. And so for the first word of the linkage, enter. The second word is listen. Number three, understand. So you enter, you listen, you understand. Why? You're filtering. And so there'll be words coming at you, and it comes through your biblical filter. Some words you're just going to let pass by. Other words you're going to overlook. Sometimes when people come, uh, like counseling, for example, and they're cursing, I just overlook it. It, it, I don't care. I I don't care. I mean, that's not the point. You're hurting, you're angry, you're whatever. I'm dialing in on something a little more uh, helpful. Uh, I'm dialing in on the real issue. The the cursing, the language that you're using right now is just fluffy filler to communicate uh, your own frustration, but I'm listening at a lower level, and so the curse words are coming out of your mouth, but I see the anger and the hate and the hurt and the fear in your heart. I'm listening at two levels. And so you enter, you listen, you understand, you filter, and once you filter out the bad, focus in on the right stuff you interpret now you're interpreting and then you adjust you adjust your perspective you may have a preconceived notion and many times we do when we meet someone we don't know who they are and we we start sizing them we start sizing up the cover and then we begin to learn the book and so we adjust we adjust our perspectives and then after we adjust we're closer to uh, understanding who they really are Uh, We correct them if correction is needed, and then we we can agree or refute whatever it is that they are saying, and then finally we can present uh, better arguments once it's gone down this linkage uh, we enter we listen we understand we filter we interpret we adjust we correct we present better arguments and that's why uh, that you want to step into their that person's story because ultimately that is the goal to be Jesus for them to be Jesus to them. Now, I want to speak briefly to courageous listening because I know that that is a difficult thing for many of us. We live in the bombardment of a cancel culture, and people are just so doggone mean. As I was saying earlier, just getting cursed out by strangers on social media. Now, I understand part of that is the disinhibition effect. And what that means is, is that people can be keyboard warriors in their mama's basement and say all kinds of things because it's risk-free uh, cursing. 
Uh, it's not face to face, and people can be really brave. And I, I put that in air quotes uh, when they're a thousand miles away from you, cursing you out. But the bombardment of that, after a while, it can have an effect on you where it diminishes your courage. And so we want to do courageous listening. Now, there's two words that are really important in our ministry and and on our supporting forums. We have talked about it a lot. I have written a ton on these two words, and they are sympathy and empathy. And I just want to briefly, I've, I've done an entire webinar on, on this, a one-hour webinar on sympathy and empathy. It's that important. But I just want to mention briefly what they are because you, you really need to have a working definition of these two words, not just having a working definition to know the words, uh, but that we don't fall into the trap that one of these words can uh, create for us. And so the word sympathy and empathy hangs on two different prepositions. Sympathy is, is centered on the preposition with, and then empathy is centered on the preposition in, I-N. And, and that makes all the difference in the world. Let me give you an illustration. If a person is drowning in quicksand, you, to save them, to rescue them, you, you're not empathetic. You cannot be empathetic because you're jumping into the quicksand. If you put that in a lifeguard situation at the pool or the beach, uh, the lifeguard would tell you, "Do not." I'll use these words, do not be empathetic. You do not want to jump in the water. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to be sympathetic. You want to be with them, alongside them, but not in the morass, uh, not in the morass uh, trying to rescue them. And so you may hold on to a tree and reach out your arm and, and pull them out. You may find a rope and, and, and throw it into them. You will figure out some creative way to be with them but not to jump in. And that is hugely important. And not understanding the difference between sympathy and empathy. And it's not for wordsmithing purposes just to be anal. Uh, hey, I know the right word. No, it's more than that. It's living the, the right word because if you're not careful, uh, you'll find yourself in the quicksand, in the water. You will be drowning with them, sucked into their ideology and believing what they believe. And that would be just terrible. This is episode 461. Our supported member was asking, how do you listen to others without being swayed by them? If a person is afraid of getting lost in another person's story or easily swayed by their story, by their arguments, then the things that I have mentioned I think would be essential uh, to have a conversation with someone and work through uh, the things that I've said already. And then I have a few questions that I want to wrap up with, and I trust that this will serve you too. Question number one, do you lack biblical discernment? Now, I realize that's a closed-ended question, so I'm going to ask you to explain your answer. Do you, like, uh, do you lack uh, biblical discernment? And if, if the answer is, is yes, uh, then there's some work to do. And you want to explain your answer, but then you also want to get the help that you need so that you can grow in biblical discernment so you're not gaslit, so you're not manipulated through fear of man, so that 
you move from a simple, naive person to a wise person. Question number two, do you struggle with fear of man? Now, we have a course on our website. It's called No More Fear. It's a one-off topical course. It's completely online, and I would encourage you to consider taking that course, uh, No More Fear. Uh, You can do it all online. You can do it in a coffee shop. You can do it at home. There is a 30-page workbook that comes with it. And so it is really, and we've had a a bunch of people to take it, and and the responses have been very encouraging as people are are plotting through it, taking their time working through it, using it as a long-form devotional because they really want to spend a season dialing in on this struggle that they have with the fear of man. Some of the folks taking the course are our supporting community, and they started a thread on our forums, and it's just been so rewarding to read the conversations as they're stepping into self-awareness, as they're realizing that there's some things that they need to repent of, and they're maturing through this problem uh, that they have with the fear of man. And this is uh, very important in this conversation here. If you struggle with the fear of man, get some help. I would recommend that you take our course, No More Fear. Number three, are you weak in Bible knowledge, thus your ability to think biblically is weak. Now, if that is true, then the follow-up is, what do you need to do to change? Because you want to to create a bibliocentric filter so that the words that come to you, you can filter them out. You can overlook some. You can let others pass, dismiss some. You can dial in on the right stuff. And as you're cooperating with the Spirit of God, as He's working through the knowledge that you have and illuminating your mind appropriately, you'll be able to listen well to people who are bringing false arguments to you. Number four is your community, your friend list. Is it weak? Thus, you don't have folks who can help you stay in line with the Bible? Who is your Paul? Every Timothy needs a Paul. Uh, a mature mentoring friend. And so if you have a weak community, meaning you don't have anyone, you at least need a Paul in your life, someone who is farther down the road, someone who has more experience, someone who is more versed in God's Word. You need that mature mentoring friend in your life to help you because you want to bounce things off of people. Say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and by the way, this is what our supporting member is doing. He places his question out on the forum and says, hey, would you help me work through this? He's saying, I need a Paul. I need a mature mentoring friend. I don't want to fall into the ditch of overly critical thinking that just filters out everything to the point of apathy. But I also don't want to fall into this ditch over here, the simpleton, where I'm just gullible to anything that anybody says. By the way, if you don't have a friend, I would encourage you to become a supporting member of our ministry, and you can have access to our private forums. You don't have to say anything on there. Uh, A lot of folks just, just sit around the periphery and read the conversation that is happening, and they're benefiting tremendously through that exercise. Number five. Do you tend to empathize? What is the difference between sympathy and empathy? And it would be good for you to talk to someone this week. 
say, hey, I, I just want to have a conversation uh, with you about sympathy and empathy. And again, we're not getting hung up on the words, but we are working through the application of those two words because that is a watershed conversation. It will take you either that way, never to return, or it will take you that way, depending on not only how you define these words, but more importantly, how you apply them to your life. And then finally, number six, do you know how to filter anti-biblical thoughts through the grid of Scripture? It's kind of what I was asking before, but I just wanted to add another shade to it about Bible knowledge. Do you know how to filter biblical thoughts through the grid of Scripture? Think on those things that are true, what Paul would tell us in Philippians 4. If you need any help with any of these things, we do have a lot of resources uh, at our ministry, Life Over coffee.com. We have an entire mastermind program. It's a two to three year program that you can take and it will really wind you up uh, in all the right ways and it will just help you to fill up your capacity of what God has made you to be when it comes to discipleship. You're welcome to check out that course. How to listen to others without being swayed by them. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.